BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Wabatosa officer Joseph Mensa shot and killed three people on the job in five years. The district attorney cleared him of criminal charges. If you fail to leave, you'll be subject to arrest. It's bad enough that people of color in the city of Wauwatosa that are stopped by police have to worry about real arrests, but now people of color also have to worry about these ghost arrests. Mensa, the mayor and common council, reached a separation agreement that will give the officer 13 months severance and benefits. Waukesha County Sheriff Eric Severson announces a new hire. Joseph Mensa has accepted the position of deputy sheriff. We found that he was a qualified candidate and he was somebody that we could benefit from by having him on the department. I felt he did the right thing in this and I contacted my friend to let him know that in terms of how that affects me as a judge, I, this has no impact on that. What's your response to people who say, this seems like a cozy relationship between a, a judge and a sheriff's department. Controversial police officer Joseph Mensa finds a new place to work. What public records reveal about the public's reaction, including a text from a judge that's raising some eyebrows. In the meantime, people who protested Mensa are finding their names on arrest records with booking numbers, even though they say they were never arrested. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Hi, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Thursday, February 24th. We have two different but related stories to dive into today, both discoveries made through public records. If you haven't been following our coverage of now former Wauwatosa police officer Joseph Mensa, it might be a good idea to go back and listen to episode 126 of Open Record, the Mensa decision. But here's the short version. In five years with the Wauwatosa Police Department, Officer Joseph Mensa shot and killed three people on the job, most recently a black teenager. Mensa himself is black. He was cleared of criminal charges, but in, in all of those cases, in fact, he was cleared. But after an independent investigation recommending his firing, Mensa and the city of Wauwatosa agreed to separate. Two months later, the Waukesha Sheriff, one county over, hired Mensa as a deputy. And Amanda, that's where this most recent story begins. Tell me what you found. Yeah, so as soon as we heard about that hiring decision, my mind immediately jumped to the public records. I wanted to see the email discussions about Joseph Mensa that were happening over the Waukesha County Sheriff's Department. And I wanted to see the sheriff's text messages because Public agencies, and especially when we're talking about public leaders and public employees, their electronic communications, their emails, their text messages, if they're talking about stuff related to their job, that's considered public record. And it's something that you have the ability to see because it, it tells you 
a lot about what goes into their decision making. Well, and let's let's be clear too that while while the focus, the public pressure on the city of Wauwatosa and Wauwatosa police was to get rid of Officer Mensa. That's what the protests surrounded and everything else. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that law enforcement officers and agencies outside of Wauwatosa were getting that same direct pressure or that they necessarily felt that was the right move. That's really kind of the setup for this, right? Right. Well, even the Wauwatosa police chief made no bones about the fact that he thought Joseph Mensa was a, a good police officer and a good hire. He wrote Mensa a letter of recommendation. Uh, so we we wanted to see what was happening over at the Waukesha County Sheriff's Office side of this, because certainly when the announcement came out, we heard backlash from the community. But I, I wanted to see what else was there. So we got these records, these emails, and these text messages. And, and when you take out the duplicates, there were more than 70 different text messages. They were the, the majority of them were supportive of this decision to hire Joseph Mensa. And there were certainly several critical uh, messages. Most of those came through email. Most of the text messages were supportive, which isn't super surprising because the people who are texting the sheriff are people who are close to him. They might be, you know, more likely to to think in a similar way. What I thought was interesting when I was going through those wasn't just the the split of the uh, opinion that that was coming in. It was in part that a lot of those supportive messages were coming from current and former law enforcement across the state and across the country. But also there was a text message that caught my eye. And it was a text message from former Attorney General, now Judge, Waukesha County Judge, Brad Schimmel. And that's a name you might be familiar with. He's he's very well known in Wisconsin. And very pro-law enforcement. He's very pro-law enforcement. He has a law enforcement background. He's made no bones about that fact. So he, the text message itself wasn't necessarily surprising, but the fact that a, a sitting judge in Waukesha County, for Waukesha County, would send it to the Waukesha County Sheriff congratulating him on this hire, that that did surprise me. So I'll, I'll read the text message to you. It says, way to go. You just gave law enforcement a huge show of support that they so need right now. Someone had to have the courage to do the right thing. And I am not surprised it was you. So I knew just with the body of messages we had, and specifically with this message from Judge Schimmel, that we had a story that that people would want to see. And, you know, maybe some people wouldn't have a problem with the judge sending this text message. Maybe they would, but you don't know how you feel about it until you know what's in there and you know what's in the public records. Well, and you didn't know at that time if finding this message was going to be this thing that Judge Schimmel might uh, be embarrassed by or want to or want to walk back or something like that. You don't know what his response to that's going to be. So you really needed to speak to him to find out Okay, we've got the message. We know what you said privately, but but let's talk about it now publicly. What happened there? Yeah, so I I had first called the attorney for who represents the the families of the people that Joseph Mensha sh- shot, Kimberly Motley, and I wanted to see if these messages were on her radar because she's done a lot of public records requests. But I also wanted to see what her reaction was to them, and she read through the messages, and the message from Judge Schimmel jumped out at her, and she thought that he should 
recuse himself from all cases involving law enforcement in the future because she thought that this text message showed a bias, but specifically with cases regarding Joseph Mensa, because she said, look, here here we have this relationship between him and the sheriff, and how's the public supposed to be able to trust that he will be fair on the bench? So obviously I, I needed Judge Schimmel to give us some context around this text message, uh, talk about it, see what he thinks about that. I wanted to know if he planned to recuse himself. So I, I called him, I, I left a few messages, and he called me back pretty much as soon as he was out of court that day, and we recorded an interview over the phone. And Judge Schimmel essentially said, I don't make apologies for this text message. He said that he and Waukesha County Sheriff Eric Severson have been friends for decades, that he he understands this as a public record, but he saw this as a text between friends, and he thought his friend did the right thing in making this hire, and he told him that. So I asked him if he planned to recuse himself from future cases if Joseph Mensah were to appear in his court, and he said no. He said that he will not give anyone, any police officer, including Joseph Mensah, a free pass in his court, and he still uh, you know, will do his job, and he thinks he can do his job fairly. Everyone knows there is no secret that I am a very much pro-law enforcement person. Always have been, and um, that's wide open. And I hope that law enforcement knows that about me, that they know that I have their back. That doesn't affect anything in my courtroom. You come in my courtroom, I expect that as an officer you would have acted reasonably, and you would have acted under the law. Well, let's recognize this is not happening in a vacuum. The the, the shootings that Joseph Mensa were involved in in Wauwatosa, that he was involved in, two of them occurred uh, long before any of the George Floyd protests began this year. And in fact, the third shooting happened before George Floyd's death in Minnesota, which really prompted the nationwide outrage, the protests, and, and the summer that we saw this past year. But it was a, a, that was still a pending investigation, and obviously public pressure grew on the city of Wauwatosa and on those investigating that third incident. Now, you can take those individually, and, and, and many do. Many who support Officer Mensa say, on an individual level, each of those three shootings was deemed justified. And if so, that means Joseph Mensa was doing his job properly. So how can you fault him? How can you hold him accountable if, in fact, nothing was ever found to be unjustified. On the other hand, those who are particularly upset with the way law enforcement is acting in in many cases in their view as judge, jury, and executioner, they look at someone who has shot and killed three people in the line of duty and say that's extraordinarily rare. And and there obviously was an independent report that said that's uh, potentially uh, dangerous in terms of the possibility of a fourth shooting. So dangerous, in fact, they recommended that Officer Mensa be fired. And, and I say all of that, that's the context here. So it, it's not as though this is Judge Schimmel uh, telling his friend, the sheriff, great hire with a guy who maybe got a raw deal somewhere else. This is all happening in the context of some very emotional and raw uh, nerves around the country and, and, and here in the area. So I, I wonder how someone like Attorney Kimberly Motley, the people she represents, the protesters who were outside Officer Mensa's house all fall, how they feel when they see a judge saying, hey, friend, great job hiring that guy that these other people worked so hard to get rid of. 
they're basically saying this is too cozy of a relationship. And we did talk to the Waukesha County Sheriff about not only this exchange, but all the messages he received uh, regarding the hiring of Joseph Mensa. And the the response I got from people who were against this decision, it, basically I got several messages from people saying the sheriff and the judge said the quiet part out loud. Both talked about their friendship. The sheriff said, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find a judge in this area who doesn't support law enforcement. And and the messages that I got that were upset about that weren't upset that they they thought that the, the sheriff and, and the judge were speaking lies. It's that they they think, hey, this is actually how the system works, and we think that's a problem. So you have a lot of judges who have not all of them, but certainly many who have law enforcement backgrounds and are close to law enforcement. Same with district attorneys. And then you have, you know, the Wauwatosa police chief and the Waukesha County Sheriff kind of on the same length about safe wavelength about Joseph Mensa. And the critics of that say it's the whole system that's a problem that makes it hard for someone to get justice when law enforcement is involved. Now, the the people who are working within that system, and and Judge Schimmel said this, he said, I'm I'm a judge in a county where I grew up. Of course, I'm going to have personal relationships with people, including personal relationships with people who are ranked highly and who are sometimes elected or public leaders in this county. It's impossible to avoid that, and I'm not going to try – to hide that, my job as a judge is to be able to put that aside and then make that fair decision. And that's essentially what the Waukesha County Sheriff told me too. You're never going to avoid having those relationships. And he flat out said, he said, I don't think there's anything here. I don't think there's anything the public should be worried about. Part of our job is to be able to put aside our friendships and our personal feelings and make those decisions. And in fact, the Waukesha County Sheriff says, that's what he felt he was doing with the Joseph Mensa hire. The the easier thing, he says, would have been for him to say, you know what, this guy's got too much controversy, not even going to touch him as a hire. He says he instructed his staff to look at this and, and do a, a thorough look at his use of force and his background, but to treat him essentially like any other candidate. And he said that's how they arrived at the conclusion after what he calls a a robust process uh, that he believes that Joseph Mensa was a good hire as a sheriff's deputy and would bring something positive to his department. Obviously, there are a lot of people who disagree with that. But as the public records show, there were a lot of people who also supported that decision. So, Brian, public records are also revealing more about the protests surrounding the Mensa shootings. And the story you did actually involves a state lawmaker. Yeah, and when it comes to the protests, he is a controversial figure. State Representative David Bowen, a Milwaukee Democrat, was a prominent figure during a number of Black Lives Matter protests this past summer and fall, especially in Wauwatosa. The most controversial moment occurred on August 8th when police say protesters vandalized Officer Mensa's home, 
physically assaulted him and even fired a shotgun into his home. Now, at the time, Representative Bowen came out and publicly said that Officer Mensa was lying about his version of events and that it was the embattled officer himself who, in fact, fired the gunshot at protesters from inside his house. Police quickly said the facts didn't match that. Prosecutors later charged a protester, Ronald Bell, for firing that gunshot into the house. That case is still pending. He was one of three protesters who were arrested in relation with that incident. But my story this past week focused on something that happened a month after that. As a small group of protesters were marching through Wauwatosa's residential streets, as was happening often night after night, State Assemblyman Bowman was there with them. This starts with a couple of phone calls to 911 as people are complaining that uh, the protesters who were gathering were playing loud and in many cases vulgar music. They were complaining that their children were hearing, uh, you know, the F word and other words, the N word, things they didn't think that children should have to hear. So it was really a noise complaint that started police investigating what had become off and on nightly protests. And so this was a relatively small group that particular night uh, by around 9 p.m. And it's it's September 17th, and there's a small group that's marching through some of the residential streets. Now, Wauwatosa borders the city of Milwaukee, and at various points, this group was uh, in the city of Milwaukee and then would cross back across the boundaries into Wauwatosa. And police essentially set themselves up in a way that surrounded those protesters. And they were they were now uh, protesting and, and making noise and using a megaphone and chanting after the city imposed curfew. At the time, there had been an emergency order uh, that said, you know, the streets needed to be cleared after a certain time, and they were beyond that time. So police officers made an announcement. If you fail to leave, you will be subject to arrest ordering the protesters to disperse as you have three minutes and if you don't leave you will be subject to arrest three minutes go by the protesters are still marching and chanting he issues another order that says you're out of time you need to go you will be arrested uh, a few minutes later yet another announcement i believe they made three or four announcements but the protesters remained and at that point the officer or the supervisor gave permission to his officers to start identifying people. Start identifying people, name them so we can identify them later on. And that's important in this case because the police that night did not physically arrest some of the people who ended up showing up in arrest records. One of them was State Representative David Bowen. So basically there's an arrest record, there's a booking number, and then, and David Bowen is saying, I, I was never booked, I was never arrested. Uh, Representative Bowen is adamant. He has never been arrested in his life. He has never been booked in his life. He has a clean record. Now, some of the people he was marching with that night can't say the same. In fact, one of the people, the, the person leading the march that night, Khalil Coleman, uh, who is uh, one of the leaders of the self-proclaimed uh, People's Revolution, uh, Wauwatosa police, they say that group was at times violent and and uh, destructive and caused a lot of problems throughout the, the summer and fall. Um, Khalil Coleman uh, has since, it just was recently arrested in another state, in the state of Kentucky, for an attempted armed robbery. I don't know if it was armed robbery, but an attempted robbery. Um, I believe one of the people he was with may have been armed. Uh, but, but Khalil Coleman has some of his own issues with prior arrests and, and a history. But again, Representative uh, Bowen says, I've never been arrested. I've never been booked. So to see his name in a Wauwatosa police report listed as arrested hyphen one, meaning he's flagged as a person who was arrested. 
they assigned him a booking number. To any outside person looking at that, it would appear this is a public record of the arrest of a state representative. And uh, again, there was ne- we have confirmed with Wauwatosa police that Representative Bowen never was detained. He was never taken to the station. He was never, in fact, spoken to directly, or it's not clear if he was spoken to directly on the scene. He certainly wasn't taken into custody or even detained on the scene for any kind of processing. So why is there an arrest report that says he was arrested? Why does it have a booking number assigned to it? And that is something that caught the attention of civil rights attorney Kim Motley. And why does she call these ghost arrests or fake arrests? As you know, these protests were going on throughout the the fall, and uh, there were many nights where a number of protesters were, in fact, arrested. And there was attention on this, not just here in Wisconsin, but all over the country. What was happening with Officer Joseph Mensah having shot and killed three people over five years drew a lot of national attention in light of all of the Black Lives Matter protests that were going on around the country. And so with all of that attention came a lot of requests for public records from Wauwatosa police. And police were slow in responding to many of those requests, including those submitted by Fox 6 News. And it took months for them to finally release some of those records. And what they did is they released them in what they called a global release. Instead of responding to individual requests for particular records, they issued a Dropbox link to everyone uh, with a large number of records, including more than 500 pages of incident reports and arrest records. And Attorney Motley, who is representing a number of people who were uh, arrested at various times throughout this process, um, and is also representing the family members of those shot and killed by Joseph Mensah, she went through those records and noticed there were a lot of people listed as arrested. And some of them were people she knew, and she knew that they had not ever been taken into custody, or she was not aware if they had been. She certainly hadn't heard of it, so she started making phone calls. And she tells us that she has documented more than 40 people who are listed as arrested in those reports, but who were never, in fact, detained, booked, taken into custody. Now, she has not provided us that list. I have documented more than 70 names of people who are listed as arrested in those reports, and I have not independently followed up with them. So I don't know if it's 40 among those 70, if she has additional records beyond that. But she says each of these people she's spoken to, including State Assemblyman Bowen, who she directly represents, uh, they are listed as arrested but were never taken into custody, were never booked. And she is asking now the city of Wauwatosa, Wauwatosa Police Chief Barry Weber, the mayor, Alder, Alderman, Alderpersons, uh, other city leaders. She's asking for a public apology, saying that this shouldn't have happened. So what's the significance of this? What's the big deal if someone who has not been arrested or booked has a, a public record on file saying they were arrested and booked? Well, that depends on who you talk to. If you talk to Wauwatosa police, they say there's no significance to it at all. Their take is this is administrative and procedural. It's just the way their computer system works when they have someone who is either issued a citation or is referred for criminal prosecution. Whether or not they've been taken into custody, they are listed in an incident report as arrested. Um, And in this case, Representative David Bowen, they say, was referred to the Milwaukee County DA's office for a misdemeanor charge of unlawful assembly. However, the DA's office never made a decision on that or never had to make a decision because they say they then internally as a department withdrew that referral and decided not to uh, refer the assemblyman for charges. By that time, though, he was listed in the report as arrested, and that's the way the report uh, remains, and that's the way it still reads. So their take is as long as someone is 
either cited, referred for charges, or is in fact physically uh, detained and, and booked, um, in any of those cases, they would show up procedurally as arrested. Again, they say the only time that's reported to an outside agency as an arrest is if, in fact, they were taken into custody, booked and, and processed. So that's a notation in a report, but they say it doesn't really go beyond that. Now, if you talk to Kim Motley, if you talk to Assemblyman Bowman, their concern is that this does, in fact, have some real consequences for those who are, for instance, pulled over by Wauwatosa police later on, and then maybe it pops up in their computer system, they have a prior arrest, and perhaps that colors how the officer might approach or treat that individual. They are concerned this creates a track record that can lead to uh, police bias and other sorts of uh, problems for the people who have been, in their view, uh, you know, listed with these, quote, fake arrests. So where do things go from here? So uh, Attorney Motley, as I said, has asked the city for a public apology, and she is uh, asking them to remove these notations from these records. It doesn't appear the city has any intention right now of doing that, but she has said that uh, she she wants to see a federal civil rights investigation of Wauwatosa police and that this may lead to some sort of future litigation against the department. All of that remains to be seen. Of course, you know, we'll be watching. All right, so this is the part of the podcast where we go off the record. We're getting a little more personal. We'll have a little fun. We answer a question we have not prepared for. And to ask us this surprise question, we are joined once again by Open Records executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hi, Sarah. Hi, guys. How's it going? It's going all right. I'm, I'm curious to see if you can top the last two because these have been some pretty good talker questions. That puts pressure on you each time, I know. Sure does, which is super great. <laughs> um, okay, so this, uh, this question, um, I feel like uh, ever since the pandemic started, it has really felt like maybe seven years, you know, even though it's only been 12. Um, but this got me thinking, um, what was the last movie you saw in the theater um actually i think this is an easy one for me i don't know that it has anything to do with the pandemic as much as it does uh with having a toddler (laughs) um i'm pretty sure the last movie i saw in the theater was avengers endgame and which was 2019 and i saw it like four or five days before I gave birth. I remember it, it It premiered like a week before my due date and I was very excited about this movie. So I was like, okay, kids, stay in there. Let me see this movie because I'll probably... So this this was pregnancy endgame also. Yes, this was also the end game <laughs> of my pregnancy. And so my husband and I saw it on a Sunday and then, yeah, I had my daughter that Thursday and I'm pretty sure that's the last time I saw a movie in the theater. Nothing to do with the pandemic, just, you know, childhood, (laughs) parenthood. Um, And then once the pandemic hit, that wiped out, you know, any chance whatsoever. I love seeing movies in the theater. My husband would much rather watch at home, but I I like the movie theater experience. So that's that's something that I've been mourning. Pre-pandemic, Avengers Endgame was the last movie I had seen in the theater. Saw it with uh, my stepsons and my wife. Fantastic movie, by the way. Um, Marcus recently reopened some theaters, and 
Uh, they have their dream lounger setups where they're uh, only selling seats that are, you know, a certain number of uh, seats apart. So there's very small number. And, and the kids and I recently made the decision to go see a, uh, a, a matinee at, at one of these theaters. We ended up being the only people in the theater, which was fantastic. Private showing. It was like we had rented the theater for ourselves. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, and we saw... Uh, Crude's A New Age, the the new Crude's movie, which actually was really entertaining. And you know, my kids they're not they're not small kids anymore. I mean, they're 13, 18, but they still love it. And I think honestly, I one thing I've learned uh, as a parent having raised kids uh, and, and seen enough of these now is the the sort of Disney Pixar-esque type movies, all of the, the animated 3D type movies, um, sometimes they're as much fun for the adults as they are for the kids. Or maybe just my, what it takes to amuse me has changed <laughs> over the years. But uh, I, I feel like all of these can be true at the same time. And, and it was, the thing was, I mean, I think had it, I, I, I think had it been a, a, you know, a normal theater experience with people all over the place, I wouldn't have wanted to be in there. So I was grateful that we had this I, I know they the theaters can't survive this way. I mean, I don't know how they can, um, but it was great to be in front of a big screen again and and to see something, you know, in that there really is something to that theater experience, although it's still not quite the same because, you know, there is something about going and, and having maybe especially now where they've got the places you can go get dinner beforehand or maybe you order the food at your seat and you do the popcorn and the whole thing. So it wasn't quite there, but I think it's a lot like the people who are starting to go to sporting events, maybe Bucks games, things like that. It's not quite what it once was, but just getting back into places is uh is a great feeling and you know it gives us that sense that maybe life will get to something a little more like what we remember uh before too long um i will say it's funny because when you started on the whole like maybe because of a toddler thing um the last movie i saw which is funny first of all because i went into my calendar my google calendar on my phone and i flipped back flipped back because i put everything in there and i just looked at what like january of 2020 calendar looked like versus like this January and there's stuff in every box and every day is jam-packed and now it's like one thing one thing anyway not the point of the story um but the last movie I saw November 2019 Frozen 2 with my child (laughs) so um it was great uh and I do know that uh, Brian going off of what you said a lot of uh, some of the theaters now are also you can rent them and bring like 20 friends and you all sit separately, but it's, you know, it's like a hundred bucks. And I mean, split between a couple families is super reasonable. Well, and that's probably making the theater more money than what happened when I went to see the show. It's it's my, my two kids and me and we're <laughs> in the theater by ourselves. And I'm like, this is, this is great. But, you know, I, I, I can't imagine this is, you know, it, that's a once in a lifetime experience, I think, unless you're seeing a really bad movie. Um, but, but no, this was a, a pretty decent one. You know what, what I think. It would be, and I know this isn't the topic, so maybe this will be a future question or something, but it, it was talking about the stuff, what happened pre-pandemic makes me start to think about that whole where were you when you realized the pandemic was really a, a thing and this was all like, you know, the world was going to hell in a handbasket. And, and that's a whole other subject. I won't take us there. But I mean, this makes us, I think we're all getting to that point. It's been a year and we're starting to think about that whole, wow, where were we? Did we ever think we were going to be in this place a year later. I I know none of us thought that, but what a year it's been. What a year it's been indeed. 
If you have a question you'd like to submit for our Off the Record segment, if you want to weigh in on where you were when you realized the pandemic was a big deal, or the last movie you saw in a theater, or if you want to suggest a topic we should discuss, an issue we should investigate, please send us an email. You can send your emails to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson, and for Amanda St. Hilaire, we'll be back again next week. Music.